Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning with Lyle and... Mine, good morning. Who's being particularly childish right now. (laughs) You out childish to me (laughs) at 100 miles an hour. (laughs) We have altogether too much fun here in the studio (laughs) while the microphones are not switched on and you are not listening most of the time. And Although sometimes I think producer Shell is recording us, and I have a feeling that come Christmas time there'll be a blooper reel. Okay, so stay tuned for Christmas. I think there was a blooper reel last year, yeah, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to happen again. Oops. Oh dear. <laughs> be sure your sins will find you out, last stuff, man. Anyway. I'm not the only person in this studio. Don't forget that, Mom. Just don't forget that. Oh, uh, yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> and, let's, and let's have a little bit of a think about who's made the most bloopers this year. <laughs> Shall we make a list? Nah, nah, let's move on. What are you grateful for, Lyle? <laughs> I am grateful for bloopers. No, actually, I'm grateful for beanies. It's freezing cold outside. It, it, did you get a new beanie? No. Okay. Why are you grateful for beanies? I'm just suddenly suspicious that you didn't ask me to knit you a beanie. Chris, are you a beanie? Because the only people in the world who know how to make a real beanie are Peruvian people. Oh, you mean like the ones with the, the bubbles and you've the flaps You've got to get it you got to get it inca tassels. beanie. You've got to, <laughs> it's, it's not tassels. It's so you can tie it under your chin. Yeah, that's cool. They're cool. Yeah. They're the best beanies ever because they keep your ears warmer than any other beanie. It's like a whole head embrace, isn't it? I don't know it? why everybody doesn't wear inca beanies. It's more like a, it's called, more like, it's less like a beanie, beanie and more like a head If you're hug. from Peru, call me. Oh, you can't. It's the delayed broadcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Still call anyway. Have a chat about it. Doesn't have to be on here. Yeah, you call up. That's right. Because um, we can, uh, it will still be winter and we'll we can Inca. talk about yeah. Inca beanies. By the what, way, what they're actually called. There'd, this, be a, there'd be a Spanish name or a Quechua name for it. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. We could find out the real name for what they call their beanies. Anyway, this isn't delete. This is Peruvian now. Sorry, not Peruvians. No, this is indeed the delayed broadcast. And if you would like to jump across the live show where stuff is happening live, you can do so a number of ways. Go to our website, faithfm.com.au, download the TuneIn app, search for Faith FM Australia, or give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. And ask us how we can get the, um, the live show uh, broadcasting in your area. So much more fun on the live show because you can actually engage with us directly. I do feel a little bit sorry for the delayed broadcast listeners because it is to some extent out of their control. They just switch on the radio. No, know. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they can fix the problem themselves, but yeah, just just, just put it on your phone. Inflicted upon them. Yeah, yeah, just put it on your phone. Problem solved. Run it through your car stereo, and you are up and running. Run it through your Bluetooth. Anyway, enjoy the show. Good stuff coming right up. From the heart of the Father. The desire that all of the nations be saved From the lips of Messiah We have the promise Behold, I am with you always 
You are listening to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon, and I'm going to hit us all with a brand new quiz this morning, Lyle. Are you ready for this? Bring it on, Mon. Bring it on. Okay. So, who am I? We did a who am I yesterday, but we're going to do one. Oh, by the way, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you back. Good to be back. I missed you all. Yeah, that's nice. Missed all of our listeners. I missed answering the quiz. Oh. So, what do you got for us there, Mon? Hang on. Just okay. loading this up. Okay. 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 The, By the way, the if, you, if you want to get glimpses into what happens behind the scenes in uh, in between the song song breaks, you can go to our Instagram, Faith FM Live, all lowercase one word is our Instagram name, and just click your finger on our profile picture and you'll be able to see the clues being read out, a little sneak peek in the studio here. But for now, this is the first clue for our Who Am I quiz. I lived in the Valley of Sorek. Lyle looks utterly confused, and I'm very pleased about that. It's not particularly a hard one, but that is a very obscure um, uh, clue for it. Lyle has it incorrect. He's writing it down, and he's so wrong, and I'm so happy about that. Uh, Today's prize is a really gorgeous little book called uh, God's Little Book of Promises. Uh, It's written by David Marshall, and it's a sweet book. it's, on the back it says, your future is as certain as the promises of God. And this is a collection of God's promises to you. They're a foundation to build your life on. And they're really lovely. So each page has a um, you know, a promise and a Bible verse. And uh, it's just a really beautiful book. It'd be really nice just to, to read when you're stuck in traffic or on your lunch break or to just give us a, give us a gift to someone. So yeah. Got an amazing a- photo of a triple rainbow on the front. Have you ever seen one of those? 
I have actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah triple yeah, yeah. the rare, they're, but they're, they're very, they're very rare, cool. Yeah, I love it. Sometimes I wish that I could quit my job and just be a rainbow hunter. <laughs> 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 Roll around the road looking for rainbows. Um, but yeah, give us a call if you think you know who that is that lived in the Valley of Sorek. Um, the number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text if you prefer. The number is 0491-064-669. Fantastic. What have you got for us in positively different news this morning, Mon? Oh, boy. Have I got some excellent news for you, Lyle. This is so good. This is so good. It's happening in Minnesota. And I really, really, really hope it eventually comes down to Australia. Okay. How would you like it if the government paid for your landscaping? Well, that'd be kind of cool. Mm, yeah, that'd be way kind of cool, right? I, I could I could make some changes with that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Middle- I, I'd do a deal with them. Oh, yeah? What's I'd say, deal? give me the budget for the landscaping mm-hmm. so I can buy a bobcat and landscape myself. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it'd be way more yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine what I could do with a bobcat. I could just, I could, I, I like. I, the I, thought I, of you going nuts with a bobcat kind of makes me a little nervous. So much havoc if I had a bobcat. The next Somebody know, donate me a bobcat, please. The next thing I know, you'll be done the whole street. Um, so this is really cool. Minnesota lawmakers have just approved a new program that will actually compensate homeowners uh, for landscaping their properties, provided, and here's the catch. Can you guess what the catch is? Um, I'm hoping that it involved growing food. Mm, well, I, kind of. Kind but that of. would be cool. They they will pay for your for your um, landscaping as long as you plant bee friendly greenery. Ooh, yeah. Really? This is all about planting pollinator. Uh, um, Pollinator-friendly greenery on your property. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah, yeah. That makes Cre- sense. Yeah, because and it's. Um, I'm really glad because people are starting to really wake up to the, this massive issue we have. If we don't have bees, we don't eat. Exactly. It's just such a simple equation. If we don't have bees, no one's going to eat because the bees pollinate all the plants, all the crops that we all survive off, and then we're kind of. I heard the tail end of a documentary on. from, I think it was Dubai or somewhere. Um, recently, where they were building, um, and, and my understanding of it, of it was multi-story hydroponic um, vegetable growing indoors, Ooh. which was lit by um, LED lighting, mm-hmm. um, unbelievably efficient. They were producing like fifty tons of food per acre per month, wow. something insane like this. It uh-huh. was just um, off the charts, and of course, it was one hundred percent organic. There's no bugs in there. There's no anything, you know. Any of these kinds of issues. Sounds like superfood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, very, very, very um, nutritious food. And uh, where was I going with this story? Um, I don't know, maybe the bees? Bees, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they were talking about how, because they went into one that was growing just tomatoes, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, five stories high full of tomato plants. Wow. And just tomato plants hanging down everywhere. You can imagine going up five stories. And uh, and, and how they have to bring in bees from somewhere. They import all these <gasps> bees all the time to um, pollinate them all because oh, they don't have no. bees then they don't have, um, don't have a crop. The whole thing's just hinged on bees. Yeah. The whole thing, without bees, they're dead. It's, that's incredible. Yeah. They see, that's, that's exactly the kind of crisis we're heading towards. And the thing is, we have the ingenuity to fix this we do. problem. We do. And this is a Humans great step smart. in the right direction. It yeah. is. I we've, like it. We've created the problem, but we have the capacity to fix it. So this is really great. So they actually, um, so Minnesota, uh, they want people to transform their gardens, their outdoor spaces uh, into bee-friendly um, uh, spaces. And so like basically like grasses, wildflowers, clover, the kind of stuff that the bumblebees like. Um, which is the bumblebee is actually the Midwestern pollinator in that area, and mm-hmm. it's, it's on the brink of extinction. 
That's how yep. bad it is. Um, so the state's funding is expected to cover up to 75% of the homeowner's expenses for planting pollinator habitat. Um, and for reasons that, uh, for regions that have been identified as high potential areas for honeybees, um, the state will cover up to 90%. Wow. Of your landscape. That's a huge chunk. It's not like yeah. here's 5% or here's 50%. It's like here's 90. Like boom. I, I would absolutely be taking advantage of this. It's like what every gardener's dream is. Like every <laughs> every like nana and we popper will, out there is so will, excited right we now. We will fund you to plant flowers. I know. It's going to be like a bunch of grannies and grandpas going nuts right now. Going, yes, Meryl, we got funding from the government. <laughs> Let's go to Buddings and buy some plants. <laughs> That's all of them right yeah, now. Yeah, they'll be going to Menards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Lowe's. Rather than Bunnings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what was the American equivalent. Yeah, anyway, so I'm actually really happy that uh, this was actually made a, a law. It was actually passed as a law. So good on the Agricultural Department in Minnesota. Yep. Um, do you know they actually, in Virginia, did you know they actually started giving away free hives and beekeeping equipment to residents? Oh, really? Yeah, so last year, that, that's, what, that's what Virginia started to do. Um, and Iowa has been campaigning to convert over a 1,000 acres of unused public land into pollinator habitat, which I think is a great idea. They haven't actually managed to be successful in, you know, in the campaign, but it would be great if they could access. Cause how much like, government property is just sitting around doing nothing? Mm. Yeah. Maybe we should get some pet bees. Yeah, yeah. Set them up here in the, uh, in the yard outside of the studio. Have you I mean you've heard of um gorilla gardening, right? Gorilla gardening. Gorilla. I I grow plants, not animals. No, 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 no. It's like not not the goril- not the the guys with the guns, not the apes. Oh, okay, okay, gorilla. okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Gr- so, like gorilla warfare kind of gardening. Right, right. Okay, gorilla so gardening. Yes. have you heard of that? No. Yeah, so basically, it's like a, it's like a team of people, and like in the middle of the night. They'll like boom. They'll hit some sort of like public area, some sort of government-owned, like maybe like a park or like just a, 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 a square, like a corner that has been left disgusting, like an abandoned, empty, an abandoned, like abandoned disgusting yeah, yeah. Uh, spot. And they'll just go in there. They'll clean it all up, take out all the rubble, do all the weeding, put something nice in there, like a little installment, plant some lawn, do some turf, put some. I could so I could so see you doing this. Oh, one. I'm so into it. <laughs> and so they, there's actually one in Marrickville. Did you know there's a, there's a corner in Marrickville that's been hit by gorilla gardeners, and they just beautiful fire and then they disappear into the night and in the morning everyone wakes up and just goes to work as usual and they're walking past what used to be an eyesore abandoned by the government and it's just a thing of beauty wow yeah that's cool right yeah yeah that's very that's cool. cool yeah, start, yeah. One in, start one in curry i think we should have gorilla bee gardeners now well, you just, yeah, yeah. Just do gorilla gardening, but plant bee habitat. Yeah, so the city of Iowa, like, you know, they have a thousand acres of this unused sort of abandoned public land. They should get, they should mobilize the gorilla gardeners because it's a worldwide um, sort of organization. Like every city has a team and you can like join them. It's all very surreptitious. Um, but they should, they should, they should link in with these people and get them to, to, to hit these public, public areas. You know, it's interesting because if I look outside of the office right now and I look at all the plants outside of the office right now, you know, it's 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 beautifully landscaped. Uh, it's been set up for low maintenance, which is fantastic. That's what you want for you know a uh, the gardens outside of an office area. But I don't know that any of those are actually uh, bee habitat kind of. I don't think so either. Plants. They seem to be the kind of ones that don't have. I guess they have flowers. I don't know. I don't remember seeing flowers on them. And maybe what we're doing is we're planting stuff that is easy to maintain but isn't big on flowers. Yeah, maybe our businesses should be inspired to to read landscape instead of doing low maintenance stuff to actually make make their office office gardens 
into bee-friendly habitats. Anyway, I think we should all go home and have a look at our gardens and so we can, you know, change. I mean, I personally have no idea what kind of plants bees like, but there are plenty of websites out there who are more than happy to, for free, educate you on what kind of plants the bees in your area will love. So have a little think about that. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And uh, plant some in your garden. Get those bees. Make them happy. Darkness high. 
Welcome back, guys. That was Chris Swenegar with Holy, 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 the Sound of Glory here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for that quiz, man. Yes, the clue that is stumping Lyle at the moment. Very happy about this. Okay, who am I? Time for clue number two. The clue is this. The only place you can read about me is in the 16th chapter of Judges. You are more than welcome to whip out your Bible and read the 16th chapter of Judges and see who in there lived in the Valley of Sorek and who is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Wow, so confused. Mm, I'm going to dwell on that for a moment before I write my answer down. Well, while he's dwelling, if you give us a call quick on 1-800-FAITH-FM and you can tell me the answer before Lyle gets it right, I'm going to send you two prizes. I'm going to send you a Bible as well as this book, God's Little Promises. Uh, it's so beautiful. I was actually reading it during the song. Uh, it's, this is one of the examples of what's in there. So this is the thought. Heaven is not far away. It's within speaking distance, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the verse that they put with it is Isaiah 65, verse 27, which says, Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, it's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. There's plenty of those in there. Um, beautiful promises just like that. Give us a call. Win that prize. Win two prizes if you tell me before Lyle does. Absolutely. And, of course, this morning our prayers need to go out for the Northern Territory, which has been hit by a uh, a mass shooting or a spree shooting or a rampage shooting. I'm not sure which one you would uh, define this one as. Uh, four people dead, one wounded. Um, this particular individual, the perpetrator, is a criminal. He was on probation. He was wearing an ankle bracelet at the time. Oh, no. um, he was using an illegal firearm. And uh, living in a motel at the time, which it seems th- this is, we was recently evicted from that. It seems that where the shooting started, but nobody's been able to, um, in any way, define um, the reason behind the various people that have been killed. So we really need to be praying for uh, the Northern Territory and particularly the families of uh, of those people that have uh, very sadly passed away. So These things are a, are a sign of the times, a sign in, of the times in which we live, and may we. May we not go down the American path of, you know, forming a culture of, you know, when people lose it, they just start shooting people. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, from from what I've read, the reports that I've read, the real miracle here is that there weren't a lot more people who were killed. Apparently had a lot of ammunition and a lot of it was expended just, you know, shooting up offices and doors and just random things mm-hmm. that could have been used in, uh, in, in shooting people. Um, possibly, it seems he's in hospital now, uh, wounded. Um, and that may have been a member of the public. We don't know the details yet, but there is some indication it could be a member of the public who tried to stop the shooting. Um, and uh, as a result, he turned himself into the police. But anyway, um, we will have more detail, more information on that coming out, I am sure, in the next few days. Of course, the big story today is that Cardinal Pell is back in court today with his appeal. He is appealing his conviction for uh, child sex abuse. And so I have a question for you this morning. Mon, do you think it's possible for him to get a fair hearing in Australia? I mean, why wouldn't? wouldn't, wouldn't. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons that come to mind. Um, first of all, um, we, do, we, do live, we do live in an environment right now where the public is out for blood. Yes. And they are and out for blood we have a bad history on the that. Catholic Church. Yeah. And when the public is out for blood... It's not a good environment to make good decisions. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, look at just look at Lindy Chamberlain and the whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not I'm not here defending Cardinal Pell or the Roman Catholic Church in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying, is it possible for him to get a fair hearing? 
Um, the next point I want to raise is that the Roman Catholic Church is big, it is powerful, it is political, it holds influence right across the world, and Australians don't like that. Yeah. See, you know, if something if somebody's big and powerful and exerting their influence over us, we like to cut them down. Yeah, we do have that talk about this. And so, you know, it would it would look like, you know, if if uh, from a political perspective, if Cardinal Pell gets off on his appeal, then it would look like, yeah, yeah, typical, you know, the Catholic Church weighed in and flexed their muscle again mm-hmm. and uh, and he's off and walking free. Yeah. Um First of all, <laughs> I don't think he should have been able to appeal. And second of all, if he does I mean <sighs> I hate to say it, but I kind of, for once, I kind of am happy about the tall poppy syndrome because someone needs to say no to the Catholic Church and and have it stand as law. Well, this is an interesting question because you know what do we do here? Do we find him guilty just to just to send a message to the Catholic Church? Guys, we do. You need to, you, and does he I mean, become? But not- does he then become the sacrificial lamb? where he goes to jail for the rest of his life as an innocent person so that we can take some shots at the Catholic Church and persuade them to change. Do you really think he's innocent? I think the question is not... I highly doubt it because I have seen I the, the stats is, from a statistical perspective. It's highly likely that he's guilty. And I think the question The other thing here, the, the, there's a whole story here. You know, he's only been convicted of these two offences because, you know, the rest of the offences that he's been accused of, they just did not have enough. It was too much he said, she said. Um, accusation for it to be go, for it to go to court, but we know statistically when somebody is convicted of a child sex crime, there are on average two hundred and fifty other victims. I think the question is not so much is it possible that he's going to receive a fair trial. The question is, are these abused victims going to get justice? Because I think there's more danger of the system being screwed over by the Catholic Church and him walking free when he should have been locked up than there ever is of him being innocent and being and having to serve a, a, a sentence. Okay, but should a person should a person drastically should a person way. serve a sentence if if we do not convict them beyond reasonable doubt. If he's innocent he should be allowed to walk free, but the, but there should be no uh, influence exerted over the sentencing by the Catholic Church, the message should still be sent. Even if he walks free, the message should still be sent to the Catholic Church that we're still going to trial. And I think that's the I think that's the, the bigger yeah. the bigger issue here is we need to be sending a message loud and clear to the Roman Catholic Church. There are two issues that came out as a result of the Royal Commission that you have not addressed, that you refuse to address, and that you need to address, and that is the uh, confessional box and uh, celibacy of the priesthood. Yes. And while ever they refuse to address those two, then they have blood on their hands. It's that simple, you know. These are this is this is just child grooming device, you know. Yeah, yeah. Greatest thing ever developed for child grooming, grooming that is here. Of course, Cardinal Pell is uh, is appealing on three different issues. Uh, one being that it's impossible that he could this could have been beyond reasonable doubt because one of the witnesses uh, to the event is dead, died from suicide. Oh. Uh, another one is that there was an animated video that was excluded uh, from evidence um, showing the position of people within the cathedral at the time of the supposed or the church at the time of the supposed event. And the third one is just technicality, where it seems that uh, the prosecution may have stuffed something up. So, but he's already so he could found, get off on a technicality. He's already been found guilty there, right? He's already been. Yes, he's been. He's he's he's, he's coming from jail this morning, yeah. from prison this morning. Yeah. Been transported from prison to the courthouse uh, to. Uh, if he's already been found guilty, it's extremely likely that he's, that he's innocent. Uh, yeah, I just want him put away. The for thing, life. the thing in my mind is this. 
okay, let's say that he is innocent of these particular charges. Let's say that he never, ever abused children. Do we, do we really believe that he never knew about these kind of circumstances oh, and that he never, ever turned a blind eye to it? Because the culture within churches in general mm. 50 years ago was to turn a blind eye or to move someone to another parish um, and sort of hope that it all goes away and this person finds redemption and gets their life together. And churches took a salvational attitude towards the priest rather than towards the victim in the past. That was that was the culture. And, you know, people need to answer for th- those. That's actually crime. And I, you know, just because, yeah, the, but just because that's the way the culture is does not stop it from being a crime and does not mean that we should not be par- p- um, punishing, you know, those who have done these kind of things today. And I do think that the, the Australian public being out for blood, I think it's a different sort of blood they're out for this time. I mean, the whole like Uluru, um, you know, Lindy Chamberlain thing, it was like a sensationalized kind of event where this, I think, has been burning and building for years and years and years. Yes. This has just been going on for centuries. Just the, the horrific there is There events. is a reason why they're out for blood. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, I think they need to be served justice. I think they need to get justice this time. Well, we need to place it place it in our prayers and pray that justice is done because ultimately God is the only one who actually knows the answer on this particular issue. Let's leave it in His hands and let's pray that the right thing is done. Amen. Uh, planning on heading up to the uh, state of origin, one. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so for those of you heading there, um, you might like to know that they are now using facial recognition technology across New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland at stadiums and it has been happening for some time and it has not been announced and pretty much nobody has known about it. Why would they want to do that? Well, it kind of defeats the purpose if everybody knows that there's facial recognition at the stadium because then uh, you can just simply avoid going there. Is Interesting it, world in which we live. Is it so bosses can discover who's not at work and who's not really having a sickie? Ah, we'll have to wait and see. This is Jade Lavik.
to wait And let thy goodness Like a feather By my wandering heart to wait I'm to Welcome back, guys. That was Jaden Levick with Come Thou Found here on Faith FM as we head into our interview of the day. But before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. Yes, who am I? Clue number three. I was paid for finding out the means to subdue one of the judges of Israel. Lyle's pen is flying. Lyle has it correct. You can still get a correction when the prize this morning. Just give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Get your own copy of God's Little Book of Promises. Joining us on the, uh, on the phone this morning is Dr. John Ashton. Dr. John Ashton joins us uh, once a month to talk about the subject of creation and evolution. He is the author of many books on this subject, um, one in particular being the book Evolution Impossible, and we have been drawing material from this book for this series of interviews. Of course, his book is available from, uh, I guess, all good bookshops. Uh, Better Books and Foods is where I bought my copy. But, uh, Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Hello. Good to be on it. Now, I understand this morning we're talking about fossils again. And, uh, of course, the, uh, the missing link fossils or the missing missing link fossils. Would that be a better way of describing it? Well, that's right. They're certainly um, the intermediate uh, fossils that are claimed um, by uh, many of the, the textbooks in actual fact aren't there, yes. Well, so this is an interesting question because, you know, if we look at the fossil record, we would expect that uh, this is where we would find uh, the most hard evidence for the evolutionary process taking place. Uh, in fact... We could say that we would expect it to be beautifully documented in the fossil record. Is that what we find? Well, no, um, but th- this is certainly a, a very misunderstood area, and uh, a number of you know popular authors uh, try to find and talk about um, uh, particular intermediate fossils that demonstrate the um, the evolution. Uh, uh, series and uh, you know for example in uh, talk about whales and sometimes I'll describe uh, you know how some of the bone structures are are similar to um, you know bone structures of uh, you know sort of other uh, mammals and humans and so forth but the reality is and this is very important that we find that in the fossil record particular species suddenly appear fully formed, fully developed, with no sort of series of descending 
or a series of ancestors slowly evolving into that particular species. And this is a, a very important point. And, um, you know, the, the top um, paleontologists recognize this and, and geologists like uh, Stephen uh, Gould and so forth and um, David Ropp and the, these sort of people um, who are leading experts in their field, they recognize this. And I was only reading just recently in John Lennox's book um, um, that um, uh, God's Undertaker that, and, and he, he finds the same thing and he questions the, the same thing. Why do these people cling to the theory of evolution when there is absolutely a lack of evidence in the fossil record, whereas the fossil record should be this record of evolution. And the reason that he only, and the reason that he says is the only reason that they can deny that evolution did not occur is because of their worldview. They have to have a worldview where somehow there is a mechanical origin of life. That, that's the bottom line. And the reality is that the fossil record does not show a gradual evolution of species. They appear suddenly, fully formed, and then they become extinct or they disappear from the fossil record or they continue on unchanged. And the other important factor is this, that the fossil animals that we see fully formed stay the same over millions of years. And this is... Um, well, supposedly you know, uh, beautifully illustrated, for example, with the colicans. That's uh, the fish that, um, you know, they thought became extinct, you know, 40 or 60 million years ago. And then they find species swimming around in the Indian Ocean. And the same is when we look at fossils of things like crocodiles. And, they, and so many species, they, they haven't changed. We've got dragonflies and these sort of insects preserved in amber. They haven't changed. They're the same as the modern ones that are, you know, flying around today. And so this is the important, another important thing. The species that uh, we, we observe, many species, that over, you know, tens of millions of years, they haven't changed. They've been the same. And the other thing is when we look at, the, say, the insects, uh, the fossils of the insects, they appear in the fossil record with flight fully developed. Now, flight is really complex, involves you know, amazing structures of the wings of insects, the muscles and so forth to control them. There's no evolution of that um, in, the, um, in the fossil record. Uh, you know, and this applies to many things, you know, flying uh, predators, birds, bats, they all suddenly appear fully developed in the fossil record. Now, of course, we hear these stories about, you know, sort of dinosaurs slowly developing feathers and they slowly evolved into birds. But in actual fact, the evidence for that is missing. The, the structure that, you know, the, the scales that some people uh, have early on interpreted as possible feathers on the uh, dinosaurs, but there's a big gap, gap between that then and the structure of the feathers on birds. And again, leading uh, paleontologists have pointed this out uh, but it just doesn't get into the textbooks. It's not pointed out to the young people. Hmm. Yeah, John, that's a fascinating thought. I think it was uh, last time we spoke about what's called, I think we call it the geological column. Um, well, that's, yes. So when we look at the geological column, there's certainly, uh, you know, you find more the shells and 
fish and so forth at the at the bottom, and there's a, a greater uh, amount of mammals and so forth at the top. But what we forget is that we do find mammals mixed up with dinosaurs, and we found fossils, for example, of you know um, mammals with dinosaurs uh, in their you know in their stomach that they've eaten, this sort of thing. Um, and so there is a lot of things mixed up, and a lot of the, the separation that forms the so-called geological column would be the natural sorting that we would find if there was a if there was a disaster, and, and you'd naturally expect to find marine and water-type creatures on the bottom because they're already in the water anyway. And this is and larger animals are likely further up, and you know more intelligent animals perhaps further up as well. Mm. So it could equally be described as you know either an evolutionary column or a survival column. Yes, yes, yes. That's a good way of. Uh, of, of putting it, and I, I think that's very realistic. We have to, uh, you know, recognise that this uh, the flood was an extinction event, and not only is there the the, the and, and this is recognised by geologists, and you know the geology textbooks talk about this, and they talk about there were a number of extinction event, events, about four or five different extinction global extinction events, separated by millions of years. Um, but of course, when we look at the strata that represent these um, different extinction events, we find that in many places they conformably overlay one another. In other words, there's no signs of erosion or anything in between. So again, we've got this very strong evidence that these uh, four or five major global extinction events involving water all occurred at the same time, or you know, and they were the flood. So, you know, the, the evidence for the biblical flood is there. It's just that, uh, you know, scientists and leading science authors are very reluctant now to interpret it that way. And I, and I guess, you know, we've talked about radiometric dating before um, and, you know, people get these big ranges of radiometric dates over these uh, particular columns which have led them to you know, believe that these are over a range, whereas you know, as we know, if we date uh, rocks that we know the ages of of being only hundreds of years or tens of years old, even we can still get millions of years dates, and we get a range of dates depending on those rocks. So, you know, when we look at objectively at the overall evidence that we have, the fossil record doesn't point to evolution over millions of years. Yeah, because I'm just thinking about that geological column. Shouldn't it have uh, a variation of creatures that, with, with variations that are so minute that you've just got a continual blend all the way through from modern species back to primitive species with every t- tiny variation in between? Well, that's right. If we look at, say, the evolution of um, humans from some ape-like ancestor, which they say you know, uh, presumably occurred over several million years, um, we should find this gradual change there. And the same would apply from fish to amphibians, amphibians to reptiles, you know, reptiles to birds, all these sort of things. We should find this gradual progression in the geological column, at least somewhere, because, you know, the, the surface of the earth is large. We've been, you know, drilling for oil and mining, and there's lots of places where people come across the cross-sections of uh, strata, uh, particularly in modern time, there's been massive exploration uh, occurring and drilling, and that's not what we find. We haven't found that. Instead, what we find are examples of huge deposits of animals suddenly being wiped out. 
extinction event and they're all all mixed up. That's what we find in the fossil record. It's a record mm. of extinction, not a record of gradual change. Now, John, um, just, just looking at this concept of gradual change, uh, in your book you mentioned a couple of examples. Feathers is one of them, lungs is another. What exactly would it take? What, re- what changes are required for, for, for a, uh, a marine creature to go from gills to lungs and what would be you know, the mechanism that might drive those changes? Well, of course, we don't know what the mechanism is, but what they claim is, of course, that there's a, an advantage in finding food in the animal being able to survive under drought conditions and they, you know, take all these sort of scenarios. But what has to happen is enormous changes to the genetic code. So if we looked at the difference in the genetic code between gills and lungs, you've got millions of data points, millions of letters that have to change. Total, you know, not just one or two genes. A lot of genes have to change. We've got totally different biochemical processes taking place. All the different minute structures that constitute the, the lungs have to change the breathing mechanisms, the muscles that control them, the actual physical structure, um, the membranes, all these sort of things, the muscles that are involved, they all involve a huge amount of change. The nerves that control the muscles, the blood vessels that feed the, the different uh, structures of the, the lung and so forth. And to make those changes is an enormous amount of genetic code has to change. That all has to change by so-called random mutations that occur in the offspring. And then the offspring has to breed with another offspring to produce those uh, changes so that those changes continue on the same. So they've got to then be locked in, not just a random mutation that occurs and then it just uh, peters out or fails. And this is, again, what people fail to find, that for these mutations to occur, you've got to have a parent. Uh, both parents have made the two gamut cells come together, and they have to come together with a defect, a permanent defect in, that, in those gamut cells. And those defects then have to be uh, propagated on to offspring and not die down. In other words, when it mates with another uh, creature, there's correction mechanisms. That's why... Uh, if, and if one part of the DNA is not lining up properly, the correct part usually takes over. Otherwise, we'd all be full of mutations. And for the same reason, we don't marry a near relative in case they have the same mutation. Now, when this mutation first occurred, it's got to find another creature with a similar mutation. So you've got to have similar mutations occurring at the same time. And secondly, though, you've got to have a huge number of these mutations occurring. And then fourthly, or thirdly, you've got to then have these mutations have to cause changes that are then in harmony. In other words, they build up, they all work together. Uh, if the, and we know that through randomness, this is highly unlikely to occur. Matter of fact, when we do the maths, it's absolutely impossible. And that's why we say evolution is absolutely impossible because the mechanism to produce the new meaningful code on the basis of random mutations is absolutely impossible on the basis of statistics and maths, and we've done so many experiments in that area, we know it works. Um, and so this is, uh, you know, one of the things that really frustrates me, that this isn't really strongly pointed out to the students and why the lecturers at university that are continuing to teach evolution um, are blind 
to this obvious fact that has been known since the 1960s that on the basis of probability evolution is absolutely impossible. Mm-hmm. John, fantastic to have you on the show again today and uh, yeah, always so insightful. You challenge our minds every time you come on. Um, of course, that's Dr. John Ashton, who has written, amongst other books, uh, this book called Evolution Impossible that we've spent this time uh, exploring here um, on a monthly basis and will continue to do so through the year. Um, if you'd like to get a good copy of that, uh, Better Books and Foods, um, probably Kurong and other good bookshops will have it available. This is Carter and Carter, something bigger than you and I.
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Have you ever been challenged by evolution? Ever struggled to give a reasoned answer for your faith? Or ever felt overwhelmed by the predominance of belief in evolution? Then you need to be at the 2019 Faith and Science Conference. 13 top-level scientists and professors from around the world will be presenting on the most astounding discoveries, completely refuting the theory of evolution. July 16 to 19, Avondale College, Kurumbong, New South Wales. For details, call us now on 1-800-324-843. them deep into the earth behind us our goodbyes at the grave but everything reminds us God knows we ache when he asks us to go on how do we go on we will sing to our soul 